having me. We first met at a gig. Yeah, uh, at Comics the Comics Lounge. Lounge. Yeah, I headlined, and then afterwards, uh, me, you, and Matt went out and did coke, <laughs> which was fun. Are we allowed to talk about that sort of stuff? Yeah, definitely. Are you cool with that? Yeah, good. Yeah, my family know that I do that stuff as well. Anyway, oh, good. They're not happy about it, but mine they know would about fucking it. die. But they're not technically able to download and listen to my podcast. Oh, good. It's fat Greek mama. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't, wouldn't be happy. No. <laughs> Cheers, anyway. Cheers. But yeah, no, um, I did a show called Holy Fetus where I covered all that stuff. Yeah. And my family came to see it twice. Um, but the first time I did a preview and it like covers my abortion, like bad sexual experiences, shitting myself, doing drugs. Um, and they, I told them it was going to be this kind of material. Um, and they insisted on bringing all of their friends because they were so proud that their daughter is putting on an hour show. And my dad was mortified. Like, by the end of it, he was so low in his chair because I was talking about everything under the sun, including masturbation. I even talked about it. And then I'd end up, like, pointing out, like, it became a part of the show where I was like, can we just assess my mum's face right now? Like, and it's just, like, utter disgust. But, yeah. Was that a liberating experience for you? Like, were you like, I, this? the more I talk, the more weight is coming off my shoulders? <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah. I Because it was sinking your dad in his chair. Maybe <laughs> it was all transferred onto his shoulders. Yes, pretty much. He's like, well, who have I raised? <laughs> they kind of already, pr- they, I reckon they probably had an inkling that I would just say whatever I wanted to say. But, um, yeah, I don't think they were prepared to witness it with their friends right next to them. And their friends loved it because they're all hippies. Yeah. that do all that shit and they don't see me as a daughter or a niece or anything like that. They just see me as an adult that they know. But, um, my yeah, my parents weren't fully okay with it, but they liked it. It was fine. Is that something you had to do just to say, look, I'm, I'm now, everything's out in the open or was it? Yeah, yeah, well, I don't like keeping my own secrets. I'm not very good at that. Yeah. So I've always, you know, wanted to express whatever the hell is on my mind. Like when I figured out that I was bi, I came out within three days to my family because I was like, oh, well, they may as well know. And so within 72 hours, you worked it out. Yeah. yeah. From the moment I worked out. Was that a real, it must have been a really good girl. <laughs> like, it must have been hot ass and really cool and shit. <laughs> she was, she was very pretty. Um, I went to a girl's school though. So there was quite a few girls to look at, to be honest. But like, it was funny because it happened on one particular day, I think like kind of the beginning of puberty. And I was sitting in, um, and I'd figured out probably within that year that I liked boys. Um, And then I was sitting in maths class and this girl, Maria, put her hand on my knee as a joke because I ended up finding out she was quite homophobic. But she put her hand on my knee and then slowly brought her hand up my leg the whole class. And I was like, why is everything waking up? I don't understand. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. Um, And then when I figured it out, I was like, right, well, I may as well tell my family so at dinner I was just like I just wanted you guys to know that I figured out that I'm into both men and well girls and boys I said I'm not into men and women I was a child and um my dad just was like you're still Anna and my sister how old were you at the time sorry like 14 15 okay um and my sister was like very kind of she was 12 so she's like what are you even saying what do you mean like gross and then my mum said I'm gonna need proof (laughs) and I'm like what do you want? Like a home DVD? Yeah, I don't understand. What like, want? Yeah, and then, like a Pornhub link? <laughs> exactly. And I was like, I, d- I don't need to prove anything to you, mum. And then when I um, finally slept with a girl for the first time, I came home and she's like, where were you last night? And I was like, oh, I was at Steph's house. And she's like, oh, Steph, a friend of yours. I'm like, no, she's not a friend, mum. 
And I was like, is that your proof? And she's like, fuck, okay, maybe it's real. It's not a face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So going back on that, why do you think um, girls can be curious and kiss each other and mm. come back to heterosexuality, but guys, we can't? It's harder for us. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's society, but I feel like sexuality is fairly fluid anyway. I think everyone other than the hard line 1% on either side will be attracted to maybe a couple of the same sex or a couple of the opposite sex. Do you know what I mean? Like I look at it like a bell curve. Mm. So I think everyone actually, like even men that say they're hetero, I think there is a part of them, very small maybe, that would possibly if they were in a more forgiving society that was just more like open to that kind of stuff. But because girls are so objectified and we're sexualized, Mm. We get this kind of weird breadth within being fetishized that um, we get to like play around with that side of our sexuality because we can just do whatever the hell we want with that. As long as it's sexy, then yeah. the straight guys will be into it. But it's not as accepted the other way around, which is a shame. But I reckon you could definitely give one of your mates a blowjob and just move on with your life and, and experience it. I can't. You, you could come I on. I don't think. No, I could not. Look. No, I know. No, 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 oh, fuck. I'm, cro- I'm crossing my arms. <laughs> Psychological defense. So, no, 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 I'm not putting a dick in my mouth. I'm not doing it. I can't. I don't think. No, I know for sure. I can't. I'm 44. I know. Yeah. I know yeah. me. I can't put a dick in my mouth. But having said that, um, I could never put a dick in my mouth. But I've seen some transgender chicks that are drop dead fucking gorgeous. Mm. And you wouldn't know they've got a penis until they reveal it. Because gone are the days in. Uh, Lou Reed's era when she he'd shave his leg, shave her legs, and he was a she, mm. and that's it. Is now it's like transgender chicks can have uh, operations and procedures. Yeah, which are one of my friends had it, and they look fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, and they're really good looking girls. And that just shows that you know it. You someone's gender, yes. someone's sex isn't really too much to do with you know what you're attracted to. You're attracted to someone's gender. So if someone is a trans woman and they portray themselves as a woman, it, like, guys get so, like, not necessarily just guys, but straight people can get really weird about being attracted to a trans person when you're not being attracted to their original sex. You're being attracted to who they are now, and that is hetero or lesbian or whatever configuration that is. That's what it is. You're not, does that make sense? A hundred percent, because it's, um, you know, uh, I'm attracted to... uh, uh, feminine qualities. Yeah, and, and, and they're trans- feminine. And they're feminine. Yeah. Transgender chicks can have um, feminine qualities. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, it's that. It's that sixth sense that you're picking up on and getting attracted to. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's great hearing such allied speech come from such a wog accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was telling you before when I was on Nova, people would ring up and go, who's that fucking wog <laughs> I don't put this voice on. It just comes out through the speakers this way. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you've actually got an English accent when the mics are off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very British. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, everything else is good. Yeah. I haven't seen you in a while since that day we did, uh, we had the bender. Yeah, I've... I've Have you um, done a gig since then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, so I did, I've only done two gigs this, in the last year, but like... The first gig, it went okay. I listened back to the recording of it and I was like, wow, I was being really a lot more critical on myself than I needed to for that we gig. We do that, don't we? Yeah. I was like, I did get way more laughs than I thought I did, but I wasn't, I was rusty. And my emotional reaction to that gig was 
of, oh, fuck, maybe I'm out of the game. Maybe it's done. Like, maybe it's done in the water. And I already had another gig booked. And because I'm starting screenwriting and stuff, I was like, I'll just, I want to be a screenwriter anyway. Don't need to pursue stand-up. And then I went and did hairbrush comedy at Grace Darling Hotel. And the gig went so well. It, like, it was such a nice, lovely room. And I did have two jokes that didn't work, but it felt natural and I just like acknowledged it and they laughed harder at that. And I was like, what, what am I talking about? I don't want to quit comedy. Mm. I fucking love this shit. I get how, to be looked at for like 10 minutes. How long have you been gigging? <laughs> um, well, technically I did my first ever gig when I was 18, but I only properly started gigging around uh, when I was like 21, 22, and then stuck at it really hard when I was in the UK for the last couple of years. So. Most of the gigs have been over there. So community, all up, how many years? Um, sorry, I didn't tell you my age. About, about six years. Six years. Yeah. yeah. But I kind of get awkward about telling people it's six years because I haven't got a huge amount to show for it. Like I won one award over there, but I haven't got like, you know, any, some people at six years have already got TV credits and are on the radio and all that shit. And I'm just I, like, I genuinely think that's irrelevant. Yeah. I think what's genuine What's more important about stand-up is uh, after six years, are you uh, establishing more of a connection with an audience? Mm. Are you not only making them laugh but leaving them with something afterwards? Yeah, honing uh, your craft. Honing your craft and going deeper. For me personally, it's a spiritual journey into mm. connecting with an audience and reaching out to them with not only something funny but a point of view. Yeah. I, I had an experience one time where I went on stage in back in England and I fucking crushed a gig. I really crushed it. Fuck yeah. And at the end of the gig, um, no one really came up to me. But there was a couple of acts before me that went... Mediocre. Mediocre, but way more substance mm. in their material. So they had stuff for people to actually connect to. Yes. And after the gig, they were approaching them. And that was a huge learning curve for me. Mm. Rather than like get all defensive with my ego, I went away and realized... They connected to the audience. They gave them something more than just mm. punchlines. They mm. connected to them on a spiritual level. And if I could do that somehow, like not only make people laugh, but have something to say, this yeah. is just my path though, not yeah. every comic. Yeah. Then maybe I can get more people after the gig, even when I don't get a lot of laughs to go, hey man, I, I like that idea. And I agree with you on that mushroom stuff. Yes. Man. Like yeah. I totally get it. And I that. do agree with you on that yeah, mushroom stuff. So that's where I'm... Mm. So to go back to what I was saying originally, it doesn't matter if it's been six years. Mm. It's um, It only matters if you've been doing the same jokes yeah. for six years. Yes. Oh, my God. And when you see comics that are doing that, it's heartbreaking. But um, it's well, it's also painful. Um, but uh, it's so interesting that you said that, though, because that's a very similar thought process I have towards comedy, like kind of moralistic as well. Like I don't really want to talk about anything that I don't really – care about um I don't want to say something just yeah. because of it and um and that all stemmed from when I first started doing comedy I was just doing the basic crap because I was a young person I was talking about you know family school mm. all that kind of bullshit um and then I ended up going through an abortion and I remember some comedians saying to me oh you are <laughs> you're so lucky like you've got so you're gonna have so much material from this and I, I turned to them and I was like I'll never find this funny like this is shit and then I wrote my first joke about it um, about a year after it happened. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of over it then if I'm writing a joke about it. And when I first performed my first ever um, abortion joke, before I did it, I prefaced it with, hey, guys, the next subject's a bit taboo because people do draw back on serious shit like yeah. that, especially coming from a girl sometimes. Like I've tried to do rape jokes and 
no one seems to like the subject matter. It's very annoying. Um, but uh, it's basically, I just kind of was like, I had an abortion. Do we need circle time? Do we need, does anyone need the talking stick? And a girl shouted from the back, thank fuck, someone's finally fucking talking about it. And it suddenly, it like hit my chest. Like I realized that there are so, so many other people out there that are isolated in these things and don't have a microphone, don't want a microphone, yeah. but also aren't hearing anyone speak about it public, publicly anyway. Mm. So it's not like I think I'm the next fucking like messiah or anything, but if I can like draw any light to negative experiences I've had and possibly make somebody else feel less alone in that moment, I'm happy to bear my heart on my sleeve and go, Oh, I had an abortion, I was raped, I've shat myself, like, and just, like, talk about all the most embarrassing things possible so that someone else can go, oh, good, I'm not the only person that shat themselves or something like that. You know what I mean? Well, rape and abortion are different to shat yourself. Like. I don't know. I think kind of go hand in hand, really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mentally shit yourself on both of them. <laughs> but I mean, like, kind of more just the element of shame that you can feel with stuff, obviously, yeah, you would feel a lot more um, emotions connected to the more serious of topics. But, yep. yeah, shitting yourself is still terrifying in the moment. <laughs> I, th I think it's great you're wrestling with those topics. Thank you. Thank I really you. do. I think it's brave. Oh, thank you. Have you cracked it? Um, well, with the abortion stuff, I did a whole show on it. And yeah. so I did that, and I'm kind of a little bit over talking about the abortion now. But I'm trying Are to write. Are you doing anything on Sorry to cut you off. Mm. Are you doing anything coming up on abortion? Well, I'll, I'll always. That, I'll, that show. That oh, that did. show. No, no. Oh, yeah, it's done. Yeah. Well, okay. I might revisit it. I was thinking about revisiting it when I actually have a child and um, doing a comparison between the fetus I aborted and the fetus I kept because people seem to think that, you know, like, for example, this lady said to me, hey, I don't want to offend you. Um, I'm pro-abortion. I'm pro-abortion. And I was like, no one's pro-abortion. I'm pro-choice. Like, mm. like, I don't want to abort every fucking fetus, yeah, you true. know. It's a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I would love to do a show on the pro-choice elements, like choosing when to be a parent and when not to be and, and why, you, why you're not less of a person for either choice. Um, but... Uh, I want to do my next one on sexual assault, which is I'm actually I think I might be a little bit out of my depth at the moment with figuring out how to get people okay with laughing at that, which is hard work. It's a great fucking challenge. I love mm. stuff like that because I get I get really vexed when people say you shouldn't be joking about rape, you shouldn't be joking about murder, you shouldn't be talking about. So pedophilia. they're saying we shouldn't talk about it. Are yeah. we not allowed to talk about it then? Like so I, I just you're not think, doing the act. Yeah. I think it's brand new comics giving us uh, a great disservice by tackling those issues and fucking them up horribly. And yeah. then people go online and go, this this dude completely fucked up this joke. And yeah. Because and, you got to be good enough to deal with it. And political correctness is also really fucking it up because, like, for example, I completely agree with, you know, trigger warning people because I have been triggered in the past um, not by comedy, but by, for example, just recently, one of my um, friends from back in Manchester messaged me out of the blue and within the first three words of the text message, it had the word raped in it. And I was out in public and I actually dissociated and ended up having a panic attack. So I completely understand what triggering can cause. But when it comes to actually topics on stage, people should be aware that someone's a stand-up comedian. Like they might touch on stuff that will upset you. And the comedian can definitely give someone a little bit of warning, like, like I would do with the abortion joke sometimes. Like, hey, the next subject's a bit taboo, okay? So I'm just going to give you a heads up. It's about this or whatever. So if you don't want it, like, you can walk out now. 
But um, I don't think that I should be silenced on those subjects, you know, like because someone might be better off for hearing a rape joke because they might turn around to their friend and go, now it's the ice has been broken. I do actually have something to talk to you about. You know what I mean? But yeah. I've often told crowds uh, just before a joke I like that I feel uncomfortable saying. I'm just like, I, you've paid money for this, so I think you deserve the the, the real me. Yeah. Like, not some fucking marionette that's going to stick to safe material. Exactly. From my first couple of years of doing stand-up. Because um, I, I... Sorry, you go. No, 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 no. <laughs> Because I'm still a little bit stoned. You're my, you're my guest. I want no, you to no, say. but I've, I know. You go ahead. I've got ADHD. I will just interrupt you. Because I, I, I had, I haven't worked this joke out yet. I'm still panel beating it. But I had a confrontation with panel a few beating. people because I came to the conclusion uh, long ago that um, uh, women in burkas is just sexual oppression because I just felt that um, hundreds and possibly a thousand years ago when um, men just felt uncomfortable with a with a woman's presence or yeah. the sexual energy the onus was on them to cover that up so they rendered they covered them up to diminish their power in a social setting mm. rendering them powerless mm. and that's the definition of slavery mm-hmm. when you do that to someone and they hid behind the quran saying it's god's will and yeah. these poor women were like well who am i to argue with god exactly so that's what i think no abs- and it offended a few people but I'm like, fuck it, I still have to persist with that piece of There's definitely something there, yeah. Because mm. it's also, what's interesting about that is the way that these men have edited their own behaviour is that they've put the responsibility onto somebody else. So it's always that argument of, you know, victim blaming and yeah. stuff like that and gas gaslighting and all that shit and making it their problem. Mm. And it's a cowardly move. Like, it's very cowardly and yeah. it's fucking sinister. And yeah. just to go off topic, I've, no. I'm reading a book on the pokies. Yeah. And the pokies are guilty of doing that when they say gamble responsibly. Oh, yeah. They're creating these machines with research scientists that are engineering The mar- odds against people. And not only that, yeah. they're engineering marvelous mathematical algorithms mm. that make you somehow think you're winning mm-hmm. when actually you're losing. Yeah. And they they slowly bring you towards extinction yeah. by thinking that there's a win around the corner. Yeah. It's and the popular machines are expertly mathematically derived mm. so that each push of it's a designed button to, to win. Give you something. Yeah. For them to win. The house. And it's all about stimulating dopamine in the brain. Yeah. The reward centers. It's like a rat with a button and gets a treat. Like, it's exactly like yeah. that. And when they conceived pokey machines, they were researching lab rats mm. to see how much dopamine and how many times they pressed the button. So all this stuff is like faster reels equals faster pushes yeah. of the button means more dopamine's released. Yeah. Because you're anticipating the next drop. And um, all that had the effect of making the pokies so horrifically mm-hmm. addictive and yet... They've disowned it all and put it on you yeah. by saying, hey, you, gamble responsibly. Don't be a fucking dick. Yeah. Don't yeah. be selfish and blow your mortgage money. Yeah. Hey, I'm fucking hooked. And this is, this is what's funny is like this kind of manipulation from the, like, you know, I do want to say patriarchy because it is like a trickle down from all of these very rich men. But I don't mean to say patriarchy as in like you. You know, we're all a part of it. Like, for example, I'm 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 a part of the system that makes white people more benefited than black people. Like, I'm not anyway. 
But like, it is all about kind of manipulation. I've kind of lost my train of thought already. This is, by the way, I have been recently diagnosed with um, ADHD. Have you? Yeah, which I did want to talk to you about because I, I, I was you writing. You didn't or you did? I did. Yeah. I did, yeah. Okay. Um, and you also had a joint, so. Yes. But the joint actually usually helps me focus a little bit more. Oh, it sends me off. Oh, really? It's just like Star Trek, chips, gone. <laughs> I can get like tunnel vision on stuff and like. Um, focus Yeah, really access the hyperactiveness of it, but like put it into a pinpoint rather than getting all kind of like. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, I was actually writing a bit today. Oh, I don't know whether it's even going to be funny enough to put on here, though. It doesn't have to be funny here. Okay. This is just, like, this is just people that like my gig <laughs> come here on a link and listen to me while they're wanking or in a car driving <laughs> or doing both at the same time, whatever. <laughs> whatever they want. This would be the weirdest shit to wank to. Whoever, totally. If you're doing that, good luck. Like, yeah, whatever power you to you. Um... Anyway, so yeah, so recently my ADHD triggered my PTSD on its own. Holy shit. So it was so fucking stupid. But Acronym I was, Avalanche. Yeah. And I like suddenly was like, God, living with these two d- disorders that will interact with each other like that, it's going to be like fucking shit. But um, I was chatting to these people, these students that I just met, literally just met my co-students from the degree I'm starting. I joined their table to say hi because we were split up in different tables. And within 30 seconds, I brought up my sexual assault, which was so unnecessary, was not relevant to what they were talking about. And it was my ADHD oversharing. What fucking context? (laughs) They were talking about comedy and I suddenly... You just jumped into... I just went straight to, yeah, like, yeah, I've written, written rape jokes recently. Oh, because I was raped. And they just went like... Um, and Fuck. I was like, oh my God. And then by doing that to myself through, cause one of the things that ADHD, you, you can just overshare. And most of the time I'll overshare about stuff that I don't really care that I've overshared about it. <laughs> but sometimes I'm like, Fuck, that was too much. And then Talk I. about a crowbar in amongst yeah, a different topic. Yeah. Did and they, they freak? Did they just. They got really weird were, and they were, were like, they wow, pulp? real dark stuff, huh? Like, and m- change the subject. And then out of the triggering sense of it, my PTSD created an acute shame response, my psych told me it was. And I started having like physical movements of anxiety. Like I'd just like have to smack my hands together or like, and I was trying to act normal, but I was having proper acute shame, anxiety, like mini anxiety attacks every kind of two minutes. And they would only last like a couple of seconds, but you just feel dread and then it goes away. And then you feel dread and then it goes away. And um and really intrusive thoughts and blah 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 and then I ended up going home and couldn't get to sleep, um had a huge panic attack at home, and I was like this is like if I've got PTSD and ADHD it's like if you had one big room and you had the Me Too movement supporters and men's rights activists and just chucked them in one room imagine the arguments that would ensue, the brawl and it's like that's what's going on in my brain, like I want to try and like turn that into a bit but it's too long and it's probably a bit too heavy. Well, that's a good, like, uh, it's a good picture you painted, the yeah. Me Too movement with the men's rights. Maybe there's something in that visualization, in that picture you've painted. Yeah, and mm. kind of triggering yourself like a loop. Maybe you can workshop that mm. and the and maybe, and in the joke, you're on the couch trying to watch telly and these two are fucking yeah. fighting in amongst, on top of your programming. Yeah. Like you're trying to watch. Because also with those two groups, they trigger themselves. So that's what I was trying to kind of draw a loop to. 
like the men's rights activists, these incels would be so triggered by liberated women that were doing kind of reclaim the night or whatever. Mm. And those women would be so triggered by these men who are saying like, you should be at home making sandwiches and stuff like that. So it was like, it was like a, a self triggering of my PTSD and ADHD is also like the way that those two, anyway, I'll shut the fuck up now. (laughs) No, I I got it. I'm I'm getting it. It's good. I get it. Um, how, can I talk about your PTSD? Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, and something you said before about you saw a, a trigger word and that made you. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she just messaged me out of the blue, and that just sends you sent me west. Yeah, I was just, yeah, it okay. like like a dissociated. So my vision just kind of went like that, and then I kind of you kind of go a bit numb. Is there a shortness of breath? You don't, you wouldn't really notice it kind of like if I dissociated, it looks like I've just kind of lost the train of thought and then like got kind of confused and I might, might kind of look a bit catatonic. And what do you have to do in that situation to try and manage it as best as you can? What do you do? You got to try and ground yourself back. So there's a couple of different techniques that I've been taught, um, where you kind of count down. So you kind of go like five things I can see, four things I can hear, three things I can like or smell or whatever like you know or no two things i can smell one thing i can taste three things i can what's the other one touch, touch. what does that does that bring you to the now yeah it brings you back into reality yeah because okay. otherwise you otherwise you just kind of fade off into the distance might might you, you'll come back eventually but like you'll feel quite terrified um because you do your body's gone basically ptsd is that your brain is stuck in fight or flight so where high people with PTSD are hyper vigilant, hyper observant, um, and kind of much more sensitive to the surroundings around them. So things will just suddenly can shock my system into adrenaline mode, and then suddenly I'll go, and that's what an anxiety attack would be, because you feel like your body thinks that you're about to get about to get killed. Basically, it it goes into like say if someone pulled a knife on you, that amount of adrenaline you feel in you would feel in that moment happens for no fucking real reason holy fuck yeah what a fucking feeling that would be yeah it some when i was when it first started for me i used to um when i was really depressed i used to kind of get addicted to panic attacks because you felt alive like you kind of afterwards you have a bit of a high after a panic attack um and it's not always a positive high like it but sometimes it does feel like elation but in a really empty way yeah so I'm crazy. Thanks for letting me into your home. You're welcome. <laughs> Anytime. Wow. There mm. you go. But that's another thing that I'm really open about talking about. Um, oh, that's why I love talking to you. You're just so open. Oh, thank you. It's so great. <laughs> it's refreshing. <laughs> oh, thanks. It really is because, you know, I mean, as a comedian, I'm attracted to characters mm. and I'm attracted to people that... Um, Open books. Mm. There's, there's no hidden agenda. There's yeah. no ulterior motive. Yeah. You know, it's just, oh, yeah, this is this what happened to me. Like, oh, when I first met you and we went out with Matt and we're all together and um, Andy came and we're all sitting around having drinks. You were discussing these deep fucking topics. And yeah. I'm like, look, man, it's everyone else's problem if yeah. they're offended or if they're freaked out. It's everyone else's problem. Yeah. You're working through stuff. You're you. you're needing this stuff through in your head, processing, workshopping it, yeah. and it's gonna uh, either you're gonna get some great material out of it, and at the same time, it's gonna well, it's therapy, isn't it? Yeah, 
But yeah, it's always been like that, like a no filter situation. But I, 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 I kind of feel sorry for when people don't feel like they can do that, which is one of the reasons why I'll try and always do it so that because I have had conversations with people after shows where they've come up and and uh, admitted to me that they've had an abortion and they haven't told anyone that yeah, yet absolutely. and stuff. Yeah, and it's been so touching where I get to connect with somebody else and, and that's also why I want to write this sexual assault show because that, I think, is more isolating and way more common for all sexes and all genders. It happens to everybody. Absolutely. Um, and if we actually started a healthy conversation, because when I was in Edinburgh last year, not last year, the year before, yeah, I, we don't, we don't, 2020 is like, yeah. Didn't count. Yeah, we didn't skip count. over it. Yeah, yeah, God. Like and a it was, dead body. Oopsie. It was going to be such a good year when you looked at the dates. Everything lined up. Halloween was on the weekend. So was Christmas. And then we had 420 for a whole month. And I didn't even like have a weed dealer. It was dry because of the lockdown <gasps> and stuff. So I couldn't even properly smoke at 420 for a month. Why'd you say Halloween was on a weekend? Who gives a fuck in oh, this country? I love... I, I do you love, love Halloween? Well, I love anything to do with costumes. I just think that's uh, so fun. Do you like Christmas? Eh, it's all right. I go fucking nuts for it. Oh, yeah? Just the whole... The whole thing. The <laughs> shitty TV shows that come on every year. You know, National Lampoons. <laughs> yeah. You know, all that. But anyway, I'm going off topic. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I can't even remember what I was saying. Oh, yeah, the... um. Was it? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. No, I saw this um comedian Johnny Pelham's show. I can't remember what it was called right now. But is this a UK comic. Yeah, he's so good, and yeah, he man, tackled. He sounds familiar. Yeah, jo- yeah. Because you... I lived in the UK for eight to ten years, and when you were there, but you were in Manchester. Yeah, yeah. Our paths may have crossed. It could have. That would have been sick if we'd gotten to meet over there. Yeah, we definitely. But you know, I I, I don't know if you fell victim to this, but I was never really on the same bill with a lot of Aussies. It was always, I was token. That I was only on the same bill with a lot of Aussies. Well, actually, that happened to me a couple of times because um, I was connected with a couple of Australians that like to do Australia Day yes. gigs in yeah. London and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, so that was cool. But uh, Anyway, I sent you off yeah. course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Johnny Pallum, you saw Johnny, his show. Yeah, and his show was all about um, his sexual abuse, when he, what happened to him when he was a child. And it nearly got got shortlisted for best up-and-coming show in Edinburgh. It was so funny. And also one of the jokes from his show um, got nominated for best joke of the Fringe. Um, But he was tackling such a dark subject and it was really liberating to watch him do that because at this point I had already been sexually assaulted but I hadn't really gone publicly with it and I hadn't gone to the police yet um, and I was still processing it. Like some of my friends knew about it but I hadn't gone forward. I wasn't feeling comfortable enough yet and um watching his show I was like not only can I go forward but I could write a show like I could actually be freed of this and not make it not make it like I could control the narrative like I can control how I how I benefit from this whether I fail or whether I benefit does that make sense absolutely yeah I was gonna say if you could like distill everything yeah through your experiences what you've been through how can you help people who are listening like what would be your advice for people that just can't talk about it or Mm. can't even bring it to the forefront of their mind to even begin to process what dark things they've been through like sexual assault yeah what would you say because i know you talk and you've workshopped through it yeah it's therapy yeah and you're picking up laughter along the way yeah hoping to like 
She's good. <laughs> She's good at it. <laughs> um, one thing I would firstly say is that you, although your anxiety and your depression and your trauma will try and tell you that you're all alone, you're fucking not. Like there's so many people that will have shared experiences with you. One of the things that benefited me most was actually reaching to an online support group on Facebook um, called Surviving and Thriving. If anyone wants to join it and they are a survivor, then I would point you in that direction because it's nothing but kindness there, complete compassion. It's not just a loads of loads of like, you know, if you're a male victim and you come forward on that group, they do not like turn down male victims or whatever. Like some people seem to sometimes do when it comes to sexual assault. They don't really listen to them, um, which is fucked. Um, but yeah, and then just talking about it, like if you can find someone you trust enough to tell, but sometimes it might actually be easier to speak about it first on an online group like that because you need to be believed by someone before you put yourself up on the kind of chopping block of whether your best mate is going to believe you or whether your boyfriend's going to believe you. It can be really scary talking to someone like that because the rejection of that would be almost as traumatic as the event itself. Okay. Yeah. Um, Such comedy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I did tell you, this isn't like... <laughs> You know what I mean? It's not really comedy. Oh, okay, cool, cool. It's, uh, I think, I, I, I talk to comedians and I talk about stuff that I like to talk about and if jokes come, yeah, they come. If okay. they don't, yeah, it's not, like, otherwise they're just, I'm not going to put on a clown nose and try and be funny. But, yeah. like, it's ridiculous. Dance, monkey, dance. Yeah. Because um, I think, uh, I wanted to create this podcast to just talk about stuff that I wanted to talk about and I wanted to ask you, uh, do you think, how do you see the politically left movement, the politically correct movement going in the future? I think, I, I, I think there's signs of madness, like, yeah. like picking on Mr. Potato Head recently, um, to remove the Mr. and the Mrs. Like, yeah. Where the fuck is it going? Like, I think that people need to stop looking so much at the past and just create more LGBTQ friendly products in the future because... Like, if we continually argue about what's already been done, like, obviously, when people have a go about friends, I'm like, it was created in the 90s. They had three interrelational relationships. They had um, a sexually liberated woman. They had, mm. a, like, financially liberated woman. Although, yes, they're like, oh, they're a group of white people. They don't have any, like, mixed cast in there. It was the 90s in New York. That actually was the common kind of place. Like, people were kind of separated in that way. There wasn't a huge amount of mixed groups going on. But David Schwimmer, although I don't like Ross as a character, um, made it you don't part like of his, his puppy dog eyes. Oh, he's just like, he's his good at puppy he's, dog he's, eyes. He's so cute. <laughs> he's got such a small upper lip and then such a big lower lip. I don't understand it. Um, <laughs> But uh, he pushed really hard for every relationship Ross had outside of Rachel. It was always going to be someone of a minority. So when you think about it, he had an Asian girlfriend. He had a black girlfriend. Um, I can't remember what was the other one. Right. But, yeah, so he pushed for that. So I think there was actually a lot of progression made in that show. And a lot of people right now with political correctness look backwards and and go, look at how bad that is in comparison to what we expect from people now. Yeah. And it's like, no, look at what they did from what was expected of people then. Like, mm. the shows around that time were not as progressive as that show. And they did actually push forward the sitcom kind of idea that we can talk about other issues in a funny way. 
And then from there, a lot of the shows that we like now that are much more multicultural and much more diverse are directly influenced from big, heavy hitter shows like that, um, although they're not now at the standard. We need to just stop, like chill out and create content that you would be proud of today to talk about the issues we deal with today. No one talks about Star Trek, but I, you know, I'm a fucking Trek geek. But that show was single-handedly responsible for the first interracial kiss between yeah. a black woman and a and a white man oh, in the sick. '60s. It was, uh, and current Star Trek is dealing with like transgender actors and and non-binary and and all this sort of shit, you know. And it's uh, it's great. So leaps and bounds. But I never really got into Friends. I never. It's more just as a good example. It's not my example, favorite yeah, TV yeah. show ever, but yeah, it's like, well, it, it's funny with you saying with Star Trek kind of getting into stuff like that, like that's current. They're getting into those things now, mm. like that, but that's not getting chatted about, you know, that's not getting talked about. And it's like, you know, that saying where if you have a business and a customer has a bad experience in your business, they'll tell probably about 10 people. Yeah. But if they have a really pleasant experience, they might tell like three. Mm. And it's like the same thing where we aren't actually... Um, heralding the people that are doing good work, like people like Star Trek, that should be kind of a common conversation of like, oh, have you seen it yet? It's really like it's low, it's got a lot of allied author writers in there. Like they're really trying to push the right kind of conversation topics. Instead, everyone's going, have you fucking watched that show where there's that person and they say the word tranny in it? Like let's go and witch hunt every single person connected to that TV show because they had a buzzword in it, you know, in a dialogue or something like that. Does yeah. that make sense? Oh, it does. It really does. Yeah. You know, and... I don't like the word tranny, by the way. I feel bad for even saying it. I've said it twice now, but... I actually... Well, I've said it on stage where um, I got drunk in Sydney with a transgender girl. Yeah. And she was driving across Australia. Yeah. Her and a transgender friend. Yeah. Two girls driving across Australia raising money for trans issues. And um, she said the car broke down heaps along the way. Yeah. But they made it. They raised a ton of money. Yeah. And I said, so it broke down heaps. It'd be fucking funny if you're just like pulling into a garage <laughs> and a couple of trans girls get out and go, we've just blown a tranny. <laughs> right? I just, I know it's a lame joke, but I think the point I was making is it's never about the word. No. It's about the venom the word carries. Exactly. It's about the intent and the context. Like, mm. yeah, absolutely. Like, I think it's okay if you're a skinny white kid and you actually believe Black Lives Matter. I think it's fine to be in your bedroom and reciting your favorite rap track in the mirror and dropping N-bombs, right? If that's what's in the lyrics. Like, don't yeah. cut it out because you're a fool. Yeah. Do you think so? I Like, that one I always kind of like, I've ummed and about that because I'm a huge fan of rap. And I used to do Freaks and Geeks by Childish Gambino without like a beat at parties because I just loved it. And then... Um, and this is the classic line, but I like, I've got two very close friends of mine that are black and I've spoken about this kind of issue with them and they're of two minds. Some of the, uh, my friend Tooks doesn't think that I should say the N word, um, uh, because it doesn't, you know, doesn't belong in my mouth kind of thing. And I respect that. And then my friend Machano doesn't really care about it, but her sister Cebu would care. So to me, considering the opinion is divided, um, until they until they're unanimous, you then you're on the side of caution. Yeah, because it's to respect. Like, although there might be one um, black person at a party that would be like, "Fucking, I don't give a shit." But then you know there might be someone else that might not be at that party, but is a friend of mine who actually would care if I said it. And like, I 
would you know I'm not part of their minority I can't speak for them so until it's unanimous then I'll just yeah I'll as you said err on the side of caution hmm. yeah that's a good point <laughs> that's a very good point <laughs> but I'm not also I'm not here to tell people what they what they should think yeah like that's a conversation for them to have with themselves um I'm not going to tell somebody else what words should and shouldn't be in their mouth yeah yeah and I'm not here to judge either, unless it was said with the wrong intent. Then I would judge someone and I'd call them out on it. Yeah, yeah. Do you think um, uh, the you know how they change? You know how Ayers Rock is now Uluru. Yeah. The there's a big push to change Alice Springs and the Kimberleys and all that back mm. to indigenous names. Yeah. Is that that's a no brainer for me? Like. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that should be like two seconds in yeah. Parliament. Like, yeah, next. What else yeah. is on? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like they've got a fucking minister raping people and they're yeah. like, no, let's have a real think about this, guys. Yeah. Uh, like, Serious? <laughs> There's so many deeper issues going on in Canberra yeah, right now. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think it's just obvious. Like, the fact that we even fucking climbed on Uluru for so long was just ridiculous. Like, I think that you're a special... When Uluru, special kind of moron. When Uluru shut, yeah, and the indigenous community said, "From this date, you can't climb on you it. Can't climb on it." And everyone the, rushed there. If you were a rusher, oh. you are a special type of cunt. Yeah, I and bet they rush for toilet paper too. That's the kind of person. Yeah, you are what's wrong <laughs> with the fucking world right now. <laughs> and if you could find it in yourselves to top yourselves. <laughs> We would be way better. What I would have preferred if they rushed to the top of Uluru and then fell the fuck off it. That would be even better. A mass suicide. Because don't you see how fucking disrespectful you are? It's like, as of tomorrow, I don't want any of you guys walking on my carpet with your shoes on. Oh, well, we're fine today. Yeah, everyone rushes in with the muddiest of shoes. Muddiest of shoes. (laughs) It's so disrespectful to your fucking house. And that's what Australia is. It's their fucking house. Yeah. It's like, imagine if um, loads of people rush to climb the Vatican and like just yeah. like rock climbed up exactly. the side of it the Catholic people would be absolutely appalled like not only appalled they'd probably fucking lynch you yeah probably oh yeah shoot. someone would shoot you yeah the Pope would get you into one of his child's sex rings or something and you'd be <laughs> fucked forever <laughs> you would oh god yeah no all that shit is like of course definitely name it after the indigenous names I, I would be more interested to know uh, the name for the Kimberleys rather than it be called after a fucking blonde chick that asked for the manager. Like, I don't want it yes. to be called the Kimberleys. Yeah. That's some fucking basic bitch name. Give me whatever the hell it was before. Yeah, let our tongues work it out. Yeah. I know it's going to be a tongue twister, but we'll do it. Yeah, and it'll keep the language alive a little bit more as well. That's right. That's yeah, right. the languages. Well, we agree on everything, so... Mm. We basically solved all the world's problems we today. We did. We'll find something we disagree on and then it'll be nice and heated. Yeah, yeah. I can't leave. <laughs> no, no. Have you got any gigs coming up? Um, n- nothing really to write home about. Like, uh, I've got just a couple of... Oh, Are no. you doing Bendy tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But this won't. This will be out later, won't it? Later, yeah. Yeah, so tomorrow I fucking smashed it. I had, like... Standing ovations all the way through it. You missed out. What the fuck, dude? Like, um, but yeah, no, nothing, nothing really. Um, yeah, I've I, like I might be, I might be doing a little bit some pieces around Melbourne International Comedy Festival, but that's not set in Sonia. I might be appearing in somebody else's show, but 
I'll only bring that up if actually it gets fully confirmed. Okay. But well, cool. it'll be a bit scandalous. It's cool. gonna be good. There'll be nudity. Really? Yeah, but not just from my part. Oh yeah, good. It's <laughs> not yeah. so, like so the headline is like, "Why is Anna taking her clothes off?" <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to. Yeah, do they 10 don't minutes. know. They don't. Yeah, they don't know I'm gonna do nudity. <laughs> <laughs> Just do 10 and bring me on. Yeah, it's like, what the You're fuck? You're getting your tits out? Yeah. I can't follow that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll be good for the bucket, though, at the end. Fucking yeah. nice. Yeah. It's like I'll just empty my bra. Yeah. <laughs> like, sorted, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no. Is this, is this, are we wrapping it up now? Have we not covered, you know, the extent of black holes in space yet or any other subjects that we've missed? Yeah, it's almost it's very interesting. It's fascinating when you talk to someone because it just felt like it was a natural conclusion. Yeah. And I was like, that's 40 minutes. Yeah, well we can have we can do it at 40 minutes and have another beer. Yeah, and then um take off on black holes next time we meet. Mm. Cuz you like space and science and Oh, I meant interracial porn. Yeah, and that too. <laughs> so, oh, those black holes. <laughs> I was way off. Um, Definitely both. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'll press stop. We'll have a beer. And um, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye.